Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right. Um, I did want to give some props to our Brock folks. Congratulations on making it to the championship round. And I know they had a hard time there, but man, they played tough. And I, you know, we have some, some of the players that come here, they, they kind of look alike. I can't really put a finger on why, but anyway, you can usually tell them. Um, but anyway, tell them, if you see one of them, tell them that you appreciate what they did and uh, um, wish them a Merry Christmas. Um, we are going to talk about Christmas today. We're going to talk about, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to see some things about the promises of God. And, you know, there, there's, I love Christmas season, and I know, um, you know, you do too, and, and there, I get fatigued with it at a certain point, but I'm not quite there yet, so we're good. Um, but, you know, it also, Christmas and the world that we live in today, you know, we live in a time of where there's just a lot of chaos and uncertainty. And, you know, you might think, man, I just wish it was simpler, but it really wasn't simpler back in the days when Jesus was born. As a matter of fact, um, there's a lot about his birth and about his life that at the time was chaotic and even scandalous. And I want us to talk about that in relation to the promises of God. And so we're going to begin, we're going to look at both uh, instances. There was an angel that came to Joseph and an angel that came to Mary to tell them about what was coming. And I want us to look first at, at Joseph when the, the angel came to him. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I can't even imagine, you know, what Joseph must have been feeling. I mean, first of all, there is the the pain, the angel didn't come until after it had become knowledge that Mary was pregnant. And a betrothal was a little different in the days of Jesus. You know, we would consider, oh, well, they were just engaged, whatever. But a betrothal had the same legal impact as being married, except they had not consummated, they, they hadn't had the ceremony. Um, but in every other way, the only way to break a betrothal was to divorce someone. And so 
if you're Joseph and you're living um, and you're expecting this, this woman that you're going to be engaged to and you find out she's pregnant, I mean, that hurts. And it, it, not only that, if he knew about it, other people knew about it too. And it had gotten to be public knowledge. And so he's, because he's a good guy, you know, I'm glad this didn't happen in this day and age. I mean, can you imagine the angel shows up and Joseph then goes, wow, man, I wish you'd come a few days ago. I've already torched her on Instagram, and I got a thousand. It's going viral. I mean, but he didn't. He kept it quiet and was going to just do things quietly so as not to bring further embarrassment. He, he obviously cared for her. But you know what? It had to hurt. And when the angel shows up, I mean, it, now we know what happened, and we know the proof of it. And we know that Jesus rose from the dead after the after the cross. And so Jesus proved that all these things were true. But can you imagine going and trying to have a discussion with your parents about what happened? Can you imagine telling your friends? What would you tell them? I mean, would you decide, you know what, I'm just going to keep this to myself so people don't think I'm crazy. What would you do? I mean, there was nothing like it throughout history before this. No other child had been born of a virgin. Never happened. And there's really just one verse from a prophet that even talks about it. You know, there's a couple of places <clears throat> where it kind of gives reference, but it wasn't like even a big deal in those places. It was kind of an afterthought. And so here you are, and you're Joseph, and you are being given this responsibility. And what do you do with it? I mean, can, just imagine, he probably, he'd had his, old, his life planned out hey, I'm going to do this, I found this girl, and we're going to settle down. And now all of a sudden, oh, nope, sorry. Your job now is to raise the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Oh, okay. How do you do that? He didn't leave a book of instructions along with it. I mean, can you imagine the, I, I mean, the, you can't help but admire the fact that he just, he got up and he did as the angel of the Lord said. But there had to have been Wondering, what, what is this going to look like? How am I supposed to father a child, God's child? How do you do this? I mean, how do you call God up and say, hey, you're going to whip her if you don't do this? I mean, how do you do that? How do you, how do you father God's child? And yet through all these things, you see, it always goes back about the plan. You know, the prophet had already said this was going to happen. This is just fulfillment of it. And I want us to look at the plan. You know, sometimes we think that the, the plan started in Genesis, but it actually started before that. And we're going to get to Genesis in a minute. In Revelation 13, 8, it says, And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names are not, were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. That's reference to the fact that Jesus already had this plan. Before He even created man, before He created the world, He had a plan to redeem man because He knew. You know, one of His plans was that He was going to create man and then give him a choice. You know, that's something I don't think we appreciate enough is that, that God never forces us to do anything. Now, He reproves and disciplines those that He loves, but He doesn't ever force you to do anything. He gives you a choice. And that's been given to us. That was planned for before the world began. The, the lamb who was slaughtered, that's Jesus. 
It was as though it had already happened. And that's how all those who came before Jesus was resurrected were able to be saved. It was on that promise of what was to come. So the plan was there even before the beginning. And then God creates this earth and it's perfect. And He puts man in there and He's perfect. And He puts woman and she's perfect. And they mess up. And in Genesis 3.15, God's speaking to the serpent after the, after the sin in the garden. And He says, look, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike His heel. That's prophecy about Jesus, about the Messiah. He is going to strike the head of the evil one. He's going to defeat him once and for all after he comes and returns the second time. And so the plan's always been there. But you know what? Now there's Adam and Eve and they're standing there and everything's changed for them. It's amazing, you know, when God shows up, we have all these plans about what we're doing. And then God shows up and sometimes it just turns everything upside down. But it's always a good thing. It's always part of his plan. And so man, Adam and Eve messed up. And so God tells them in the very beginning, hey, there's one coming. He's coming. You know, you'd think, if you go back and you, you look at the line of, of the promise that is Jesus, that you'd find in there somewhere there was somebody that lived pretty much a blameless life. You'd think that, wouldn't you? But it, it's not true. You can look through the, the, the lineage of David, and there are two ancestries in Scripture. There's one in Matthew and one in Luke. And the one in Matthew is believed to, because it clearly says, it's the, the lineage of Joseph. And then the one in Matthew is the lineage of Mary. And they both trace back to David, and they have ancestries that are in common. But if you look at any, either one of those, you'll see there are some very flawed people in there. You know, there, there's... There's people that messed up. People that blew it. You know, and the first time the, the covenant or the promise of what God's going to do is really expressed is to Abraham. Oh yeah, Father Abraham. We sing songs about him. He's a good one. Well, Abraham, he, he believed God. And it was reckoned, it was credited to him as righteousness. And at one point it even said that he was a friend of God. But he, he, he wasn't perfect. You know, he twice went into another country and told his wife, hey, tell everybody you're my sister because you're fine. And I don't want people killing me to take you. So twice he hid behind his, his wife. And then finally his wife comes to him and says, hey, I can't conceive any children. I know God's promised we're going to have, you know, all these ancestors, but why don't you take my handmaid? And, and Abraham said, okay. And so conceived a child with her and his name was Ishmael. And he went out and became a great nation too. All the Arab states are descendants of, of Ishmael. That's why if you talk to someone who's of, of the Muslim belief, they trace it back to Abraham. Because that is their beginning. And I don't know about you, but there's been a little bit of chaos that's resulted from that action. You can look over in the Middle East and it's still going on. And it's going to go on until Jesus comes back. It's going to keep going on until the final battle. So you, you see there's two kind of things going on. There's the chaos created by man, 
And then running through it is this plan of God. You know, in the Garden of Eden, man sins, God announces his plan. He's I got a plan. Abraham, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham decides he's going to do that and take it on for himself and creates all this chaos that goes through centuries. And yet there's God's plan. Genesis 49.10, scepter will not depart from Judah. Judah was one of the patriarchs of the, the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel. Nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He talks about how the, the, the promise is going to come through Judah. Well, Judah, Judah was a messed up dude. He didn't want to follow God's plan with his kids. You know what ended up happening? His own daughter-in-law, because he wouldn't give another of his sons to her, dressed up like a prostitute and seduced him out in the road. That's some messed up stuff right there. You know what I'm saying? That, that, ain't, that ain't your good, oh, well, you know, it's just a, a little, I'm, that's a major deal. If that's for me, tell him I'm busy. I mean, it runs through everything. There's God's plan, and it's running through, through, right through the middle of man's chaos and his scandals and his things that he does to mess stuff up. It's right there in the middle of it. Well, who'd be the next one? Well, what about, what about David? David's a central figure in this. It says in 2 Samuel 7, 12-13, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. You see, the Messiah is to be of the lineage of David. And lineage is an important part when it comes to the succession of kingdoms and kings. It's a huge part. And the Jews were, I mean, they were meticulous in maintaining lineage because it goes back to the promised land. You know, in the promised land, God said, okay, this land goes to this tribe, and then it was, it was dispersed to each family throughout. The, hey, this is your land, this is their land. And that was such an important thing for them because God also put it in there. Hey, you can sell it, but in, in the 50th year, there's going to be a, a year of jubilee, and all the land's going to revert back to the rightful owners. And it's going to be their land forever. That was the plan. And so they kept meticulous records so they would know when somebody came back and said, hey, this is my land. I'm reclaiming it for my family. It's the year of jubilee that they could go back and trace well, hey, here's his father, there's his father. Yep, that's his land. But now, today, you'd think, well, man, there, there's got to be, I mean, millions of Jews who could say, well, I trace back. I could be the one who's the heir to the throne. But do you know how many heirs they can, they can prove? Trace back to David right now, Jews? Zero. There's only one that can prove that he's of the line of David. His name's Jesus. And you want to know why? 
because his lineage is included in the, in the Scripture, in the Bible. All, of the, all the records the Jews had kept for all those years was destroyed in A.D. 70 when the Romans destroyed the, Holy, the, the temple in Jerusalem. Every single record was destroyed. And so nobody has lineage anymore to be able to prove they go back to David except for Jesus. And he has too. Because he knew some knucklehead was going to say, well, Joseph's not technically his father. So here's Mary's too. And she also is a descendant of David. So he's double line to David. But what about David? Well, I mean, you know, David, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. But David had his own scandal. Committed an adulterous affair and then tried to cover it up by having her husband killed. I mean, out of all the lists, I mean, that one still makes me cringe just saying it. But he's part of the line. And so there's a couple things I want you to, to take from that is that, you know what, it, it does kind of look like right now, things are chaotic. I don't know where things are going. I don't know what it's going to be like next year or the year after that. And you know what, we're kind of in some ways just like they were in the days of Jesus when he was born. We're looking for somebody to fix it for us. And if you keep looking for a man or a woman on this earth to fix it, you're going to be as disappointed and as sour as the leaders in Jesus' day were. Because that's not how God fixes stuff. And God doesn't need there to be everything to be going good for His plan to be fulfilled. And you know what? Here's, the, here's the, the things you can take away from that. Number one, ain't none of us in here perfect. But we can all be part of God's plan. We can all be part of his purpose. I mean, you go through the list of things these guys did, and there's others. Rahab the harlot. I mean, that's, that's listed in Jesus' lineage. And you'd think at some point they would have dropped that part of her name, but that was the description. She was the one that hid the, hid the, the spies in Jericho and became part of the kingdom of Israel and became part of the lineage of Jesus. There's all kinds of stories like that. And you know what I, God's saying? Hey, there's no such... I, I, my plan's going to happen. And you can be a part of it. Even though you messed up. Even though you have faults. You can be a part of His plan. And don't worry about Chaos. You know, it looks chaotic right now, but I want you to think about how we look back at these. When we think about David, I, I, the first thought in my mind is not his sin. It's that he was a great king and a passionate follower of God. When I think about Abraham, I think about the father of many nations through whom the promise came. When we think about these men in the past and the, that the promise came through, that's what we think about more than anything is God's plan that was woven through their lives, not the chaos that their own sin created. 
Someday we're going to look back on this time and we're going to know things then. And we're going to look at it different. You know, we look back on, on the birth of Jesus and, and now it's, it's really cool and it's, and it's beautiful. And, you know, how many of y'all, I mean, anybody been around and seen a, a, a nativity scene that probably really looked like somebody just got born in a barn? Probably not. Well, we see Mary sitting up, and she's always wearing blue and white. I have no idea why. Um, but she looks, I mean, perfectly put together. And there's Joseph sitting there, and you know, they're, they're just, they're, and they're, the baby's in this glowing manger. It's a feed trough. But in our minds, there's like light emanating out of it. You know what? Because we look back, and now... And I'm not, here's something I'm going to tell you. I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. Do you want to know why? Because we look back now and we know that was God in the flesh. That was God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. But at the same time, they're in this crowded, dirty little city that's a big nothing burger. And there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people roaming around for the tax thing. And you know what? Nobody else had a clue what was going on? Nobody else noticed it. I mean, nobody walked by and said, wow, it's like the barn back there is glowing. We should go see what's in there. But now we know. You see, Romans 8.28 says, He works all things to good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And isn't it a comfort to know that even in our worst moments or our worst experiences in life or the things we've done that are the worst. That God's plan can still be woven through it. That He can work even our worst things to His good. The good for us. And we love Him. And are called according to His purpose. You know, God told Abraham before he messed up, he didn't take the promise away because Abraham blew it. God gave God David this promise before he sinned with Bathsheba. But guess what? Even though David failed, the promise is still true. And that should be a comfort. That even when we fail, even when we're faithless, God is faithful. Even when we fail, God's Word is still true. Even when we fall short, God's promises never do. They never fall short. You know, now we think about it, and we think about Mary and, and, and how amazing all that was. But I want you to think for just a moment about what it would have been like to be a, probably a teenage girl and you're betrothed, and, and you know, you're working on getting things ready to be actually married. And you're not, you know, if I were God, <laughs> and I was going to have my son born here, I'd have had him born in the biggest castle in the world. I'd have had trumpets blaring all over town when he was born. I'd have had everybody in the world know, hey, my, my son, he's there. But that's not what God chose to do. 
He chose to pick an anonymous teenage girl. And you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, whenever I see, you know, the Christmas story on TV, she's always gorgeous. But it doesn't say anything about that in the Bible. It doesn't even, not even a description. Not a, hey, she was tall or, you know, and therefore thou married that looketh like a supermodel. I mean, there's nothing like that. I mean, if I was God and I was picking, that's what I'd have picked. But God picked somebody that there's not even, we have no clue what they even look like. Same thing with Joseph. You know what we know about Joseph? He was a carpenter. That's it. Not even, he was an exceptional carpenter. Not even that. Just he was a carpenter. And, and this angel shows up to Mary in the sixth month in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. That's all we know about Mary. She was a virgin. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now this next one has to be one of the most understated lines in the Bible. Confused and disturbed. I don't know about you, but I would have been plumb smooth freaking out. Anybody else? I mean, they came to Joseph in a, in a, a dream, in a, you know, a vision as he was asleep, as he was dreaming. So, I mean, that's one thing, but Gabriel shows up right in front of Mary. Hey! I mean, Gabriel, that's one of the major angelic figures, you know. I mean, they even sing about him in Austin at football games and stuff. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that song, Gabriel, Blow Your Horn? Come on, you know what that's about, right? He's a major, major character, one of the archangels. He's right there. He says, look, greetings, favored woman. The Lord's with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel, what does he talk, what does he mean? I'm a favored woman. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Now, he doesn't tell her he ain't dropped the bomb on her yet. You understand what I'm saying? He said, you're going to have a son. He's like, well, of course I am. I'm going to get married. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. This kingdom, this kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, well, how's this going to happen? Because uh, I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will over, overshadow you. Now, I don't know about you, but at that point I'd have had some questions. <laughs> What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Word of God will never fail. The Word of God will never fail. And you know what? That was enough for her. That was enough. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. 
And then the angel left her. The word of God will never fail. You know, we look back on that now and we see and we know what all that meant. But what do you think it was like being married and having to explain to your parents and your friends when you started the show? And they could tell you were pregnant. And I feel relatively certain that not anyone had the thought in their mind Maybe it's God's kid. You know what? It was scandalous. It was an embarrassment to her family. It was a scandal that everybody in town would have known. There's no record of how her family responded or how Joseph's family responded. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know. But here's something we do know. Later on, they had to go to this town called Bethlehem. That's the city of David. And it's, it's, it's just a tiny, it was a tiny little town. About seven miles from Jerusalem. And everybody in the family, all of Joseph's relatives, his cousins, his aunts, his uncles, his parents, same thing for Mary. All their family would have had to go to the same place. But you know what happened when they got there? Even with all that family there, and probably even maybe family that lived there, there wasn't anywhere for them to stay. Being nine months pregnant, and not a single family member around going, hey, we're going to help you. We're going to take care of it. I don't know what happened, but that's kind of significant. You see, it wasn't an easy thing, what God asked them to do. But they chose to do it because God's Word never fails. Because they believed God. It was a scandal. Now looking back now, we get it. We know. Because there's proof now. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, and then three days later when he rose again, he proved that everything in the Old Testament was said about him was true. He proved that what was told to Joseph was true. He proved that what was told to Mary was true. He proved that he was God when he walked out of that tomb. But that didn't happen for 34 years, 33, 34 years after the angels appeared. And so that whole time, they had to live. with what came with being God's parents. 
God in the flesh. God with us. You know, when Jesus went back to his hometown, none of them would believe him. You want to know why? Wasn't this Joseph and Mary's son? I mean, we know about that story. No way does God pick somebody that's born in that situation to do something like this. You know what? They couldn't believe him. They didn't believe him. They knew the story. They knew the circumstance. Rahab was still being called the harlot hundreds of years after she had gone. You think they didn't know the label that went with Jesus? They knew. I love her response. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. You know, the things that are significant about this for us is number one, it's just the seeing the certainty of God's plan. You know what? Here's the way God works. He tells us to do things and He doesn't always tell us how it's going to go while we're doing them. He doesn't always say, hey, I want you to do this and then this is going to happen and that's going to happen and then that's going to happen and then at this point it's all going to be clear. He doesn't tell us that. He says, go here and do this. And because of our own sin and because we live in a fallen world, a lot of times there's chaos in the middle and all around us during some of those times. And we just have to keep saying the same thing that Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. And even though it, it, it cost her in the short term, even though it reflected badly on her for a while, according to people, God's Word is true. God's Word will never fail. And in the end, it didn't fail Mary. And now, for generations, it's like she's saying when she, when she came to her cousin Elizabeth, you know the first one to really testify about who Jesus was that wasn't Mary or Joseph was John the Baptist in his mother's womb. Elizabeth said, the child within me leapt when you came near. John the Baptist testified to who Jesus was while he was in his mother's womb. I'm going to throw this in here for extra. You know that after Jesus was born, the enemy tried to attack and wipe out all the babies. And since then, he's been trying to attack those that are made in God's image in a mother's womb. There's, there's a reason why the enemy attacks babies. You know, they try to dehumanize them by calling them a fetus. Well, fetus is nothing but Latin for the word baby. That's all it is. There's a reason they try to attack those that are created in God's image in the womb. First testimony about who Jesus is, that He is the Christ, came from a baby in the womb. You see, even though it's difficult for us sometimes, and we can look around right now and it, it, it seems chaotic, and you're like, okay, where is God in this? Why didn't God do this? Why didn't He do that? But I'm telling you, at some point, we're going to be able to look back and we're going to see God's 
plan woven through the things that are going on today, and it will be unmistakable because God's Word never fails. You know what Jesus told us? When He left, before He left everyone to go back to heaven, He said, look, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And we're going to be able to look back at some point, and, and we're going to look at those difficult times. And some of you can now. You can look back on some of the most chaotic, some of the most the hardest times in life, and you can go, I see, I, I see God in there now. I was believing Him at the time, but maybe I didn't see it all. It didn't all happen like I thought in the moment, but now I can look back and I can see God's plan woven in there in the chaos. I can see God's plan even in my failures that His plan never failed, that His Word never fails. And that's the message of Christmas right there is that God has a plan. God had a plan before He created the world. God had a plan to redeem man, to set him free from his sin, and to restore us someday to the, to the world that he originally created for us to live in, called heaven. He's got a plan. And our job now is just to remember that the Word of God will never fail. And you know what? Here's the deal. God used men and He used women throughout history to reveal His plan, to show it. But He did it. Jesus lived this life here on this earth, tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. He died on the cross, a death that should have been mine, should have been yours. You know, our only contribution to our own salvation is the sin that made it necessary. That's our only contribution. Jesus did the rest. And all we got to do is accept it. And then live it. You know, I'm certain because they were human that, that Mary and Joseph probably had times when they were like, man, why us? And maybe they even thought, God, why can't you just show everybody? Why can't you prove it? Why can't you just remove the scandal, the stain from us and let everybody see? Well, he did. It just took a while. But Jesus came for us. He died on the cross. And he rose from the dead conquer death for each one of us. See, the, the message of Christmas is this, is that God loves you and He has a plan for you. And all you have to do is believe. It really comes down to three simple things. And ultimately it's about a relationship with Jesus. Number one, you've got to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two is you've got to believe in Jesus. 
Jesus wasn't just a guy. He's not just a baby. Any baby that was born, he's God's son. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and he rose on the third day to prove that everything that he had said and everything that had been said about him is true. So you've got to believe in Jesus. And then the last thing is you've got to confess him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, our part is simple. Now, I get it's not always easy to admit you're a sinner and to admit that you can't fix that on your own. But it's simple. It's those three simple things. It's faith through grace. In other words, God gives us what we don't deserve, which is forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. Because He loves us through faith in Jesus. And if you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, that you're in right relationship with God, and that you'll be with Him for all eternity, you'll be in that restored place that is perfect. Imperfection without sin. Someday when we come to see Jesus face to face. If you'd like to know all those things, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. It is, it's a simple prayer. It's our part simple. So I'm going to ask that everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God and you'll be with Him forever, you pray this with me right now. You can repeat it after me. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But pray it with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior and I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today without anybody else looking around, here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to say anything. All I want you to do is this. I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. If you prayed that prayer today, look up at me right now. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you let someone know. And we would love to take a few moments just make sure all your questions are answered and also that you understand and know what the next steps of following Jesus are. So there's a couple ways you can contact us. There's a number on the screen. You can just text, text SAVE to that number. And we will get back to you and set up a time to talk over the phone or in person. Or if you'd rather, you can talk to one of our staff members today and set up a time or talk to somebody today. We have people that will talk with you today. It won't take but a few minutes. John will be here at the front in a few moments. You can come down to him after he dismisses us with a word of prayer. And we'd love to talk to you about your decision to follow Jesus. And so now I just want to pray for you and pray for each of us.
that we will continue to have faith in God's Word and His promises, even when it feels like chaos around us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. Father, I pray for those that have come to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus today, that, Father, you'd help them to find the right church to grow and to follow you with other believers. Father, if, that's that, if, if this, this is the church for them, pray you'd show that to them and help us to be the church they need. Father, I pray for each of us that, God, the, the chaos of the moment would never overwhelm the truth of your word and your promise to us. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.